Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me today is Alan Carpenter. Good day. And uh, Alan... Since the last time we've talked, we kind of have some baseball action again, which is uh, kind of exciting. It's it's not much to see. There's not much to see. Um, but it, it is starting to get the feeling that baseball could actually be back. Yeah, it's feeling a little fuzzy. You know, we see some snippets from the field. We, we're seeing some inter-squad games from a blimp, like you, I think you suggested a little earlier. And yeah, it, it still seems that far away uh, because we're not seeing the up-close. We're not seeing the, the daily reports. Uh, man, I really feel for these beat reporters who can't actually interact with the players. They can't get in the clubhouse. They can't get down to talk to them. But at the same time, baseball activities are happening, and I'm hoping that we're going to continue that way because so far it looks like the COVID-19 tests are down uh, certainly significantly over what we saw from the NBA. The NBA was uh, somewhere in the 5 to 7% range. We're under 2% for the positives on baseball, and even a couple of them have been sort of iffy tests like uh, – Poor Joey Gallo. <laughs> I yeah. think he got a negative and a positive <laughs> in in this first two uh, entries, and he's not feeling it. So I don't know what the what the story is there, but uh, hopefully we're going to get those kinds of uh, snags worked out. The fact that uh, they're doing thousands of tests every day now is going to be uh, crazy to to manage. But so far the Braves have been hit a bit, but uh, at least it's early yet. At least <laughs> as early as it can be in the summer camp. Yeah, and, and so we'll just jump straight into that because we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. But uh, the Braves did have uh, four guys who tested positive in the, the first round of testings for summer camp. And, you know, the big name and all of that, or really two two big names and Will Smith and Freddie Freeman. You know, Will Smith, the, one of the biggest free, free agent acquisitions for the Braves this past offseason. And then obviously Freddie Freeman, you know, face of the franchise player. And I haven't heard much about Will Smith since it happened. Uh, I don't know that he had was showing a lot of symptoms, but Freddie obviously uh, was, and many people even saying that he he sounded and, and looked uh, really bad. So that was kind of scary to hear. Um, but latest reports, indications say that he, he is feeling a lot better, which is promising. But you know, it seems like they're you know, it could be a possibility that the Braves are without Freddie, at least to, to start the season. We'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, what were your kind of thoughts on, on the guys who tested positive? Well, I, I'm, I'm most concerned about Freddie, of course. And the reason for that is because this virus attacks the, uh, the body's ability to carry oxygen on the blood. And that affects your breathing, that affects your uh, your organs, that affects everything that you do about athletic endeavors. And 
he's got to get this thing not only cleared out of his system, but re- recover as well that that ability to to handle oxygen well. So it it's not so much a matter of in this case probably possibly testing negative. It's a case of testing negative and then being able to get back into physical shape. Physical shape, I, I wasn't worried about. He looked like he was in fantastic shape in general, but it is uh, definitely uh, the, the body's ability to to cope with with a lack of oxygen and to be able to be able to do his baseball activities normally and routinely and without uh, having to to uh, gasp for breath or anything like that. Hopefully, I'm overblowing this completely. Certainly, uh, we we talked about the idea that young athletes uh, should be able to bounce back quite well. But obviously, it's uh, hurting a lot of people more than it, it hurts others. In terms of Will Smith, though, even if he got it the way that uh, Freddie got it, the Braves certainly have that covered in the bullpen. They've got uh, seven or eight guys with closer experience who can uncover. And uh, I am not concerned in terms of baseball for how the Braves are going to be able to manage without Will Smith. But at the same time, it's like, well, we haven't heard much from whether he's gotten back into the clubhouse or, or anything about Tuki Tucson or Pete Cosma. We just haven't gotten that information yet. It would be nice to uh, to get that as a confirmation that they really were fairly symptom-free and uh, that they're going to be back to, to snuff pretty quickly. Braves did have those four guys uh, test positive and... And going back, you know, uh, Dr. Carpenter trying to get a little deep into the actual details of the virus. I, I myself don't know much about it, but one thing I have heard is that, you know, different people bounce back from it differently. You know, I've heard that some people can bounce back within a couple of weeks and be just fine. You know, I, I know somebody personally who's who's been struggling for, for months trying to recover from it. Um, and, and the person I know is obviously, you know, a little bit older. Um, than, than Freddie is. And so that could, you know, be part of it, but um, you know, that person was still in, in really good shape. So, you know, it, it just seems like everybody, everybody recovers from it differently. So we like, you know, kind of like you were saying, who, who knows how long it's going to take Freddie to come back or anyone else to come back uh, who may get it down the road. And that's just kind of the unknown, you know, whenever somebody, you know, pulls a, a hamstring, you know, it's six to eight weeks. We know that, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's what they're going to tell us. You know, they have those timetables for when somebody's going to come back. You know, we don't really know what a timetable looks like for somebody who, who tests positive or COVID and, and has has it, not just test positive, but, you know, is showing signs or symptoms and, and actually has it. What degree do, do they have it? You know, so that's going to be kind of hard, you know, to, to judge, you know, and how long somebody's going to be out because, you know, like you said with Will Smith, the Braves are deep in the bullpen. That's not going to be you know, that's not going to be a huge loss if Will Smith uh, is out for a period of time. But, you know, behind Freddie at first base is a huge drop off. It's it's why, you know, they couldn't take Freddie out of the lineup last at the end of last season or, or in the playoffs, even though he was obviously hurt. You know, the drop off behind him is just so huge. And, you know, it, it sounds like uh, Peter O'Brien and Yonder Alonso are getting most of the reps over there. Um, I, I personally think Austin Riley would be, you know, my first choice um, to replace Freddie over there at first base. But uh, who do you think gets gets that first uh, opportunity over there behind Freddie? That's a tough one, and I would like to see Riley get a bunch of tryouts there. But at the same time, you also have to 
point out that he doesn't have a lot of experience at the position. And to be able to jump in at the major league level and, and do that, yeah, he's, he's a good athlete. He's very versatile. He was able to survive with a passing grade in, in left field uh, when he hadn't played the position before. But if you got a chance to, to do Riley at left field, third base, or DH, I would take those options before I would go to first base. So you're looking at guys like Alonso, who can't hit very well, Peter O'Brien, who can't hit very well, except both of them can go yard with you. Or now all of a sudden we've added Bryce Ball to the taxi squad, and there's at least a slim chance that he might have a uh, a chance to to break out quickly and and do something so i i think it's a matter of just having to go with a hot hand <laughs> i hate to use that phrase but it, it may be the case and and just fill the position fill out the slot and until freddie can get back uh they got two weeks i don't know if that's going to be enough time it's going to be close yeah yeah definitely hope that you know we hear something about freddie and you know, obviously with this, we just we just hope he's better. We hope nobody else in his family um, gets it. Again, last I heard that, you know, neither his wife nor his kid has gotten it, uh, which is great to hear. Hopefully it, it remains that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully Freddie comes back. I, I I feel like Freddie wants to come back and, and wants to be there, and I, I feel like he's going to do everything he can to get out there as, as soon as possible to, to be with the team. And it was interesting. You, you mentioned they brought up uh, Bryce Ball. Um, you know, I was I was surprised he wasn't on the taxi squad initially in my um, my 60 man projection roster projection. I had him on there just simply because he was one of the most exciting players to watch in in the first spring training. I mean, looked really good. I, I thought they would have wanted him yeah. in camp anyway, at least just to get you know a longer look at him and let him get more reps. I still think it's highly unlikely that he he makes or, or plays a game um, with the Braves this year, uh, but I think it's certainly smart to at least bring him up to have that insurance. You know, if, if the guys in front of them that we already mentioned, you know, if something happens with them, or you know, if Freddie is out a lot longer than we um, expect him to be, uh, so it's just nice to have that insurance there. But I thought he should have been there all along anyway, just to, for him to get the reps. Um, because he did look so good uh, in the first spring training. Yeah, and I think he's going to get the reps because the other 30 guys, the the non-active taxi guys, are going to go off to Gwinnett and they're going to uh, play their own inter-squad games and he's going to get a chance to to work out with these guys and get some player development in. And that's, that's excellent because you hate to see the loss of the development year for a lot of these guys. I keep talking about Christian Pache not having a chance to to expand on his bat this year. At least they're going to get this opportunity. They're going to have a chance to to work out with some good talent. They're going to get a chance to work out with uh, with their teammates and their coaches very closely, well, within six feet. And they'll be able to, to get some game action in. Uh, inter-squad game but still game action so uh i like to see that and i'm glad for for bryce to to be able to get a chance as well and we'll just see see how it goes from there but you're right he, he's you know less than 0.1 percent chance that he's gonna be in the majors but hey stranger things have happened right yeah no I, and, and i mean uh i'll admit i was buying into the hype in spring training i i love watching him play and if he he were to get called up i think it would be exciting 
to see because the guy's just fun to watch. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I hope it doesn't get down that far and get that desperate at first base. You know, I hope Freddie comes back and is fine and, and rakes like he normally does. And that's the other thing, too. A lot of things have been messed up by us not having this full season, but I was really excited to see what Freddie could do, you know, after having the offseason surgery, telling us that, you know, he's, he ha- he's, doesn't have pain for the first time in, a, in nine years. You know, I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do over a full season if he could finally win that MVP award that's been eluding him. But we're not going to get that, and, and who knows how many games we'll get from Freddie this year. I want to touch on something else that you kind of uh, mentioned or uh, you were talking about Pache. Uh, I'm interested to know, you know, because we could see a lot of players get used this year. Obviously, you know, we just talked about Bryce Ball and you know, I think it's highly unlikely that he gets used. But I think a lot of players are going to get get used during this season. Who are some prospects that you think the Braves are going to have to rely on and maybe rely on heavily this year? Well, somebody that's going to be situational, I still think there's going to be somebody on the club who's the designated runner. And by that, I mean the the 10th inning guy who's stuck out on second base to begin the inning. Pache has got wheels, so there's one possibility. There's other guys around, I think, who who could do that too. But uh, I, I don't know that they would bring him up to the majors to start his service clock just for that reason. If there's somebody else who who can certainly handle that. It, it'd be the Lane Adams kind of a, a, a role. Somebody who is, is really speedy and, and good uh, knowledge on the base pass and, and that kind of a situational player. Now, I do think that Pache might have a shot at making the initial 30 now that Marcakis is not there because I would much rather have him as the backup center fielder than Ronald Acuna, for instance. Not only that, but uh, doing it that way, if uh, Nciarte were to get hurt, really gives you no drop-off whatsoever and probably an improvement in your outfield defense. Drew Waters, I'm not sure that his bat's ready. I continue to be the outlier there, but I just don't think it's there. Yeah, we're Um, on the same page with him. Yeah. um, Alex Jackson is a possibility. Shea Langoliers is a possibility because you – uh, can't afford to be without a catcher. So I certainly expect to have or see three catchers on the roster. Beyond that, it's a matter of whether you're going to get a Charlie. There's, they've still got 39 names on the uh, the uh, 40-man roster right now, or at least 39 that count. So the fact that King Felix is no longer in that mix means there's an instant opening for Josh Tomlin, Charlie Culberson, maybe Pache, well, actually, he was already on the list. Yeah, Yonder Alonso, those kind of guys. And I don't know that there's going to be any other real prospects, per se, that uh, are, are going to be there, at least in, in my counting of it. Uh, so it's, it's probably Pache or nobody right now. Yeah, and I, I'd almost be willing to bet my fan-sided paycheck that uh, Josh Tomlin's going to be on the – the 30 man roster. Oh, come season. on. Risk, risk something <laughs> important. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I mean, I thought he'd be on the 30 man roster anyway, but with 
it's like with Felix being out and the fact that Snicker's going to try to piggyback starters. Tomlin was really good last year. I I thought Tomlin was was a huge player for the Braves in the bullpen for what he did. So I, I think he's definitely getting one of those spots now, just because. I think especially early in the year, it's going to be so important to have that guy that can come out there and just eat innings for you and give you quality innings, right. um, which is what he did last year. He would come in and eat innings and delayed innings, whether you were up by a bunch or, or down by a bunch, and he would give you give you some good innings. So I think he's definitely going to get one of those spots. I think we see Pache at some point this year. I don't know if it's in the beginning. Like you said, because I don't know if they want to start that clock if they don't have to in a short season like this. I still think we see him at some point. Like you say, he's already on the 40-man roster, so it's not that big of a deal. But the Rays are also very deep in the outfield. They got Adam Duvall still. They got Austin Riley, who can play outfield. They got Culberson, who I think is going to get a spot on the 30-man that can play in the outfield. Camargo can play in the outfield. They just have a lot of depth in the outfield, but funny. You didn't uh, mention Ozuna. <laughs> well, uh, not mentioning the, the starters, obviously you got a, a Acuna and a Ozuna and Enciarte, but you know, there's just a lot of guys behind them that can play the outfield um, if need be. But I, I still think Pache finds his way um, into making his debut sometime this year. Just thinking of looking at other prospects though, that I think could, could possibly make their debut. I think, I think we could see a Tucker Davidson. He's somebody I was big on going into the first spring training, and he looked pretty good. You know, he's a, he's a lefty, um, you know, that can come in and, and get a spot start. Or, you know, I, I don't know what Snicker's plan is, how long he's going to go with his piggyback and stuff. It's going to be just for the first couple of weeks, or he's going to extend it even longer than that. And I don't even know that I, I like that idea, to to be honest with you. But I, I just think it's going to tax your, your arms more than it's going to help them. You know, I think Davidson's somebody who that could make their debut this year, and I think maybe even Ian Anderson could as well, although he's not on the 40-man, so that would be a little bit harder for him to break through. Davidson is, but those are, you know, those are a couple of names that that I think could have an impact this year, and as rookie prospects that the Braves could see. Yeah, it's a matter of finding spots for everybody. Uh, granted, with 30 guys to start with for the first couple of weeks, uh, you've got more spots to, uh, available. I mean, we're going to have a full dugout practically given that uh, we're used to this 25-man uh, system. And when when all this started way back in the spring, we were only wondering about the 26th guy, but now we got four more on top of that. So I, I think they're going to have plenty of depth, plenty of options. And that's that's also why I was thinking there's probably going to be a, a speed specialist involved because they can afford to do that. They can afford to uh, bring in a guy that does only one thing, at least for a while. And then we'll figure out uh, how many of these games go to extra innings, how many of these uh, extra roles or specific roles seem to be playing out, and then make the adjustments from there. Because all of this is going to be new. It's going to be weird. It's going to be strange. It's going to be baseball like we haven't seen it before. You're going to have managers making decisions based on not the long-term uh, outcome, but the fact that you may not want to drop an extra game, or if you're in, if you're closer to uh, being able to make a win, you're going to try and secure the win. 
we can't afford in theory to lose a lot of games in a row. So it's going to be managed differently. It's going to be handled differently. You're going to see bullpen uh, uses uh, strange, not just for that reason, but this three man rule is going to be a, a bugaboo that's going to throw a wrench into the system too. So lots of things going on, lots of weirdness. Yeah. And you talk about the weirdness and, and maybe I shouldn't go down this rabbit hole cause this could lead to a, a long conversation, but, you know, oh, I wonder, why not? <laughs> I, I wonder how how much stock people are really going to put into this season and not just fans. I'm talking teams, players, because, you know, I feel like a lot of players are kind of considering this season a joke. They're only playing it so that people get a payday, you know, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams, especially teams that, you know, really aren't even in contention to begin with that aren't aren't going to take this too seriously. Um, they're just going to be looking at it to get reps. And then I think you're going to see a lot of teams, you know, in September that are that are out of the race or, or look, look like they're going to be fading out of the race. You know, you could even see players at that point just opt out and say, you know, it's not worth the risk for me anymore. What am I really playing for at this point? You know, what am I risking it for other than a, a paycheck? And is it worth it to me at this point? So I I think this season's going to be very very strange and you know I, I wonder how fans are going to view it how players are going to view it I mean as a fan if if my team wins and the Braves are holding up the trophy at the end I'm going to view it as a World Series season but you know I think a lot of people are, are going to view this as kind of a, a no you know a, a no season or they're going to put an asterisk by it so. I think that that could be very interesting as things go along and to see how teams and players handle it. If they, you know, they get an injury or a couple of people on the team get sick, are they just going to opt out? Well, let's, let's go through it a little bit. It, the NL East, the Braves, I think are in They're They're going to be fighting for it. The Marlins. Well, you got guys that are going to be maybe fighting for jobs in the future, trying to establish themselves as major leaguers and, or, or trying to get a position so that they might be considered a long-term solution down there. So they're still on the uprise, but not quite there, obviously. But uh, they're going to be probably a the, the team that you don't want to face because they are taking it seriously. The Nationals, I think they're taking it seriously, but at the same time, they do have their rings now. So I'm not getting the sense of urgency that I'm seeing from other teams. They don't see the fire there that they really, truly want to repeat. But, I mean, they could. They're going to be fighting, and they've got the talent to do it all season. I, I do suspect that it's the at the end of the season, it's the Braves and the, the Nationals fighting out for number one. The Mets, I have not any idea how that's going to come out. They've got guys that are coming back in the bullpen that I think are are wanting to prove themselves. They've got uh, Cespedes, who now suddenly has this DH position that is ideally tra- uh, tailored for him. And you've got Noah Syndergaard, who's on the uh, sidelines for the year with uh, his Tommy John surgery. So you've got a lot of ins and outs there, and you've got a uh, general manager who's still trying to prove himself uh, as a GM and not just as an agent. So they're kind of the weird enigma. Then the Phillies, they've got McCutcheon back. Uh, can they get off to a good start? 
they typically have been good at the beginning, but then again, they also lost Aaron Nola to COVID and uh, their pitching is still iffy. So I don't know that they're going to be able to, to, to muster anything. So they may be on the sidelines. Uh, as far as the rest of the opponents, you've got the Yankees. Obviously, they're going for it. The Red Sox transition year, I, let's say. The, the Blue Jays are kind of like the Marlins, but maybe a little further along. So they, they might be a little feisty. The Tampa Bay Rays are always good and always seem to be a bugaboo. And finally, the Orioles, who might lose 100 games despite the fact that they only are playing 60. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a, a perfect transition there, too, into the, the schedule that was just released this past week. And you take a look at it, and that's the first thing that I think. I look to the, the end of the schedule there in September, and the Braves finish against the Orioles, Mets, Marlins, and Red Sox. And... Orioles and Marlins are already out. We know they're going to be out. And the Mets are a team that I think at that point, you know, with all the things that you've talked about, you know, I think they're a team that could just hang it up at that point. They could, um, yeah. Could very well just be packing things up and headed, headed home. You know, are you really going to risk Jacob deGrom in that last weekend of a 60-game a season when you're, you're out of it? You know, I, I really doubt it. Um, and the Braves finish against the Red Sox, a team that, you know, I don't expect to be in it. Are they going to risk, you know, one of their pitchers at the end of a 60-game season when they're out of it? You know, I, I, I doubt it. And I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, later in September. You're going to have those teams that, you know, are, and, and I guess you get that in a normal year too, but I, I don't think you're going to get it like this year. Like I said, I think you could see players just completely – pack up and, and, and maybe even opt out. Yeah, I don't know how that works with, do they get paid for what they already have played? I, I would assume so, you know, and at that point they just may be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go home. It's not worth the risk anymore. So I think that's interesting to keep an eye on as the season goes on, but any other thoughts on that or the Braves schedule in general, obviously playing in the East, there's going to be a lot of really good teams. So the Braves schedule is not going to be, an easy one. And, and especially the way that it starts, they're going to see some great pitching right out of the gate. Yeah. Cause the Mets think they're still in it at that point, And they're going to see the Mets a couple times real early. The, the unbalancedness of the schedule surprised me. The fact that uh, major league baseball decided to go for convenience of scheduling and, and go for the unbalancedness uh, as opposed to and trying not expand to, the postseason. That's and not expand problem. the postseason. If yeah. you're going to do that, you got to expand the postseason because you look at the schedules of the teams in the central and it's just not fair. Yeah. Um, and if there's going to be, you know, three teams make it from the central and only one from the east because they played, you know, they got to play the Royals and Tigers all year. That's that's not right. You're right. But uh, I mean, the, the one thing that is going to kill the Mets is the fact they got to face the Yankees in extra series. They get six games against the Yankees. Meanwhile, the Nationals get six games against the Orioles. That ain't fair, obviously, but I mean, it's, it is what it is. The Braves six pack comes against uh, the Red Sox. That may or may not be okay for them. I, I on balance, I think it's probably a little favorable, but. At the same time, you know, they're going to be pesky. Yeah, it's um, still the Red Sox. So. Yeah, it's still the Red Sox. No pun intended on the pesky reference, but still. <laughs> um, 
they the Braves do get the Marlins seven times at home and three on the road. The, another byproduct of this unbalancedness. Uh, but at the same time, the Marlins have always, even though the Braves beat the snot out of them last year on the bottom line, most of those games were very close or in extra innings. And I imagine it's going to be like that again this year. If if Atlanta is able to be that successful, great. But that can't be counted on. It, it's going to be one of those deals where you're going to have to take care of business winning games that you're supposed to win. If you don't, then you're not going to make the playoffs. And that's no two ways about it. The Nationals are going to have an inherent advantage because they play the Orioles so much. And the Braves are just going to have to fight to overcome that. If they don't, there's a chance that you're right. The Central could claim all the wild card spots and cut everybody else out. That's just a fact of the, uh, of the way things fall out. And there's nothing you can do about that except, like I say, take care of business. Yeah, and and I still think there's a possibility that they expand the postseason. We haven't heard any talk about it recently, but I, I don't know. I, I still think there's an opportunity there. They they got a couple of weeks to kind of figure that out, and it it just makes sense because it's going to generate more revenue for everybody. I think they had bigger issues on their hands with trying to figure out how to do all the testing, which was uh, completely mishandled um, mm-hmm. over the weekend. Um, but I think once they get that settled out, I think maybe they'll look into expanding the postseason because. They're going to make more more money and more revenue, and that's really what they what they care about anyway. So and they want the fans to stay involved, and that's what's necessary above all things here. These, we've we've lost so many people because fans have found other things to do while they've been confined and otherwise uh, deprived of sports. We want baseball to be the the thing that they come back to, keep them involved, bring back the expanded playoffs. So I'm still kind of optimistic that'll happen. Going back to the Braves schedule a little bit, if they can get off even to kind of a, you know, a 500 start or a couple games above 500, their September looks looks really good. I mean, the Nationals are the only team they're playing, and you know they play them seven times, I believe, in September. But everybody else, I think, is going to be out of the race um, at that point. So the the Braves have a pretty easy schedule in September if they can kind of hang in there, you know, through through August. And really, you know, that's going to be the tough thing for a lot of teams because it is a 60 game schedule. You can't get out to to a bad start you can't get out to a 10 and 20 start and expect to come back um so uh, but i think you know the braves can kind of just hang in there hang around 500 through the first month of the season their september looks really good uh, and they should be able to to pick up some ground there and i think it's going to take 32 35 wins to win the division I, you know i don't think it's you know unless somebody just gets extremely hot which is possible in a short run you know, I, I think that's what it will take to to win the East. I'm hoping the Braves can get to that 35 plateau. I think they're certainly capable of doing that, but a lot of factors are going to ha- come into it, including things like are they going to get keep everybody healthy, and that is the big unknown right now. Yeah. 
Uh, last thing I kind of want to talk about, because we didn't really touch on it too much at the beginning, is that, you know, after the Braves had the, the four positive tests, we saw Felix Hernandez and Nick Markakis opt out. And it was uh, kind of surprising because, you know, I, I had just tweeted out from the Tomahawk Take account how excited I was to see Felix this year because he was tweeting out about how excited he was to get back out there. And I'm you know, I, I was really pumped up to see King Felix pitch for the Braves. And then literally not even a day after I, I tweeted tweeted it out, he, he decides to opt out. So that one kind of caught me by, by surprise a little bit. In retrospect, I can understand it. He's made a ton of money. Um, and, you know, I, I think it just going back and seeing somebody, you know, like I think we were talking about beforehand, somebody he knows and personally get it and see how much they were struggling with it. I think that kind of scared him off a little bit. And I think the same is true for Nick Markakis. You know, he's the the ultimate competitor, going to give you everything, you know, he's got, you know, whenever he can. Uh, and to see someone like Nick back out, you know, that really just kind of goes to tell you how how scary this this virus is to a lot of people once they see it up close. Um, and so that one kind of surprised me um, as well. So what were your thoughts on those two opting out? Were you surprised? And, you know, I do mention, you know, both of these guys, you know, they've made a lot of money in their career. You know, Nick has, uh, I think, three three kids at home. Um, so not really, in retrospect, not really that surprising to see them opt out. But I definitely, you know, still didn't see it coming. Yeah, I, I kind of think these guys were – you know, saying they were excited about Caesar, you know, Felix quoted that way, but inside they were not that excited because you have to be sort of teetering to think, well, I want to try this, but I'm not real sure about it. And then you're right, as that something happens to somebody that they know real close, then um, things change, and that's that's clearly what happened. Uh, Nick is a family guy. He has been all about family. His, uh, player, uh, players weekend nickname TTT refers to his kids. Um, that doesn't surprise me that he's made that decision. Monetarily Felix is looking at only about 370,000 for the season. If he made the team, if he was on the roster for the entire, uh, 60 game slate, uh, but he's already made over $200 million in his career. Nick Markakis, he's made $120 million, was on a $4 million deal, so he's going to get four times as much, but that's still under a couple of million. It just didn't add up for him either. Yes, that's a lot of money to most people, but the math just really didn't add up. So the other considerations came into higher focus, and, and that's where they decided it wasn't worth the risk for them. The fact that... Uh, Nick was also going to be a essentially a bench player. Hernandez is going to be a fifth starter, maybe if he made the club that way, or in the you know, if we end up piggybacking pitchers, it's going to be maybe a seventh or eighth or ninth starter. Who knows? But the, those guys were not guaranteed starting roles for sure, and as a result, there wasn't a lot to give up. I do thought think that uh, Nick's comments to the media afterwards the fact it didn't feel like real baseball is kind of telling as well i mean he he's out there uh and has been out there for for a number of years with a certain kind of vibe in the sport and the fact that he wasn't going to get that this year just kind of left him obviously with an empty feeling i hope we see him back on the field somewhere 
I don't know where that's going to be. I don't know that it's going to be with Atlanta, but he gave it a great run and we certainly appreciate uh, everything he's meant to the club and, and certainly his uh, presence in the clubhouse will be missed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, obviously, yeah, I think this probably is Nick's last go with the Braves. And again, I don't know if it'll be his, his last go. I, I think he'll probably try to at least come back. I, I doubt he'd like things to end this way. So I think he at least tries to come back um, for one more season. Uh, so I heard somebody even mention maybe he goes back to Baltimore and kind of helps mentor those, those kids into becoming contenders again, which I think would be kind of cool. Although I don't know that he'd want to be an, on another reclamation project at this point in his career. But, um, but I, I did love Nick's time with the Braves that this is the end. Uh, probably by the time this is posted, Seth here, uh, here at the site, it will have an article up on, um, uh, Nick kind of commemorating his time, you know, with the Braves and what all he's meant. Cause I think he is appreciated. I'm, I don't, I don't want to say he's underappreciated, but maybe he's just not appreciated, you know, enough, uh, for what he did for the Braves, you know, signing a four year deal with a team that was going through a rebuild, kind of seeing that through and being there when they were back on top. You know, I think he was a big part of that leading that culture in the clubhouse. So, you know, really love what Nick uh, did in his time with the Braves. Kind of hate to see him go out like this. And before we get out of here, the Braves, at this point, we're recording this on Thursday night. The Braves have had two inter-squad games. Um, and, Alan, I know you weren't able to to catch much of that. Uh, I did watch the first one, and like you said, it's from a, a blimp view, so there's not really much that you could see. Um, I think the only runs in the game were the, an Adam Duvall two-run home run. But all reports sound like, you know, Soroka and Freed threw the ball uh, really well. Just to, to me in the video and interactions I've seen, uh, Ozzy looks looks ready to go. He was flying around the field. People were, um, you know, talking about him trying to make a diving over-the-shoulder catch in the inter-squad game and maybe telling him that he needs to calm that down a little bit. But, uh <laughs> You know, he I saw him from the blimp view slap a double um, the other way. And, you know, he, he he looks he looks ready to go. I'm excited to see what he does. And then I didn't get I didn't get to watch the the scrimmage on Thursday, but I heard Fulty looked really good, uh, which is a great sign, because if we get if we get good Fulty, you know, I just think this rotation can be deadly. So I think the I think I heard the plan was that I think next Monday they're actually going to have. Um, like real simulated inner squad games with with real umpires and everything. So hopefully we'll get um, more detailed information out of those, and hopefully we'll get some better camera angles and maybe even some some commentary. It's funny how fans, you know, hate commentary in broadcast and complain about it so much until you don't have it, um, <laughs> and then you realize how how boring the broadcast can be. But you know, it was exciting at least to see a little glimpse of, of the Braves on the field and. Hopefully we'll get more of that over the coming weeks. Anything else before we get out of here, Alan? I am curious as to how this game is going to feel uh, watching it on TV in two weeks when they get started for real. The fact that you can't hear anything from the stands, that I don't know if they're going to pipe in any murmur noises or, or crowd buzz or anything like that. I, I actually kind of hope they don't because that's fake and everybody knows it's fake. But at the same time, to be able to hear people in the opposite dugout uh, yelling at one another or maybe trash talking one another, that's a kind of aspect of the game that we've never been able to 
didn't catch before. And it's going to be interesting to see if that that works out and if how that plays. I, I'm curious. It, it may be a novelty. It may not last in my uh, anticipation of it, but I, I want to see how it, how it comes out. I want to see how these players celebrate things. We've got this toe-tap thing going on at third base and now and, uh, for a celebration of a good hit or, or something like that. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens on a walk-off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who's going to be jumping in the dog pile this time? I don't think anybody (laughs) will. But it is interesting. I'm curious to see it as well because I've watched some of the Korean League games, and it's a a weird vibe, and it's just – it's not that exciting, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I'm going to watch every second, and I'm going to enjoy it because I love watching the best players in the game play the the game that I love to watch – but it's going to be weird, and I think it's going to be weird for the players, too. Um, you know, maybe some of the young guys who are, you know, aren't used to playing in front of a lot of people, it maybe won't affect them quite as much. But, you know, you think about Acuna, and, you know, I think about that grand slam he hit in the playoffs a couple of years ago and just the fans going crazy, and you know how he plays on that. I mean, what's he going to do when he hits a, hits a walk-off <laughs> grand slam or something and, you know, is he going to still stand there and kind of pimp it a little bit? You know, it's going to be weird, but and maybe this is probably a discussion for another time. But I I think fans are going to come to the stadiums eventually. I think it's it's going to happen. I don't see why it can't. You got 40,000 seats in there. Spread it out. Have, have 10,000 people in there. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know people are talking about it. I know the virus is still going strong but i don't know it's weird i'm not really happy about seeing games without fans and stands i think it's going to yeah. be really weird um and kind of uncomfortable at times to see yeah i just to be able to, to, ha- to have some sort of buzz going on and reactions it, it would be very helpful to the players i think i think that's one thing that the braves will probably have over uh, some some other teams they'll be able to generate their own youthful enthusiasm for a lot of the things that they do and it they're going to have to uh, certainly early on and if they do that then i think they'll have a leg up in in the in keeping game intensity going we'll we'll just see how it plays out yeah i'm curious to see too you know how many people are going to buy the those rooms at the end of the omni there where you can see into the stadium or are <laughs> going to stand outside the battery and you know, maybe maybe that's how you bring your fans to the game, and maybe there is some sort of interaction there. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. But I'm with you. I, I think it does happen. I think they've gone this far. They've gone through all these terrible negotiations. They're gonna play baseball. Um, you know, it, it, it's gonna happen. You know, maybe it gets shut down later um, at some point. But they're they're gonna they're gonna play. Um, they're gonna get this thing started, and we're just a couple of weeks away here so um that'll be it for for this uh, edition of the podcast uh please make sure that you uh, check out the tomahawk take podcast and subscribe and favorite it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure that you um, come back to us next time as uh, me and alan and others get together on here we're going to be having our uh, draft episode i believe next week um, is that right oh, that, yeah. is, that is correct the yeah, fantasy ne- draft of the tomahawk take fantasy league is going to be 
going live and we'll we'll try and do a, a live cast of it and we'll <laughs> trash talk each other probably and, and lampoon each other's picks. Yeah, so that'll be next Thursday. So be on the lookout for that, especially if you've got a draft coming up. We're going to try and get that done next week to, to give other people some ideas and thoughts as they do their drafts for a 60-game season. So uh, be on the lookout for that uh, next week as we do our draft podcast. And uh, again, appreciate everybody listening in, and we'll talk to you next time. This infectiously addicting edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of, well, Jake and myself. All rights reserved. Some of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These are pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Batty McFadden and Five Card Shuffle. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections come to you via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for listening, and may all of your smoke alarms have extended battery lives. Sorry about that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.